0: Hi, everyone. You're here for the second season of Floater Founder. I'm your host, Samantha Lloyd. Here's always with my co-host, Lyson Casey.
1: Hello, everyone. And
0: today we're here with Mark Eng, and he is the co-founder and CEO of Second Closet. So thank you so much for joining us virtually today.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me, Sam.
0: Awesome. So tell us about your company. What is Second Closet?
2: So Second Closet is uh, three years old. Um, it's a valley storage company, which means that we pick up, store, and return your stuff. Um, that is what we do on the consumer side. Uh, We are active active in four markets. So we're in Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, and Vancouver. And more recently, we've been helping businesses store and fulfill their products. So leveraging our warehouse network across Canada, leveraging our technology, um, our our folks, and our existing infrastructure to support small and medium-sized businesses to move their products into storage and from there to their end users. So it's been a really exciting journey so
0: far. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, th-
1: yeah, that is really cool. So you're acting almost as like a, a fulfillment center, almost, for, for for businesses, like a long-term fulfillment center. We
2: are, that's exactly what we're doing. Cool.
0: That's very cool. And
1: uh, how did you come up with uh, the idea, initially the idea to just uh, target consumers? And then how did you uh, figure out this other sub-market with, uh, with the businesses?
2: So it's a really interesting story. I mean, I'll start at the top. Uh, my brother and I moved out when I was 17. Uh, he dropped out of Queens where he had just completed a year of life science, uh, paid the rent. Uh, so I took the couch. Uh, we had, it was a one-bedroom condo downtown Toronto. Um, put myself through uh, U of T where I got my bachelor of commerce. Um, throughout that, we were living in this really confined space. Uh, there was literally only one closet in the, in the condo, uh, hence the name Second Closet. It got me to think that in a metro area like Toronto, there has to be a service that would come pick up, store, and return our stuff. Uh, so that we didn't have to get rid of a lot of things and declutter. Um, turns out that there w- wasn't, and that's where the seed was planted. Uh, ended up revisiting the idea in my final year of undergrad, uh, where you know my brother and I uh, came together along with our co-founder Heinrich, um, built the initial kind of uh, kind of prototype website, launched it in April, uh, amassed uh, hundreds of customers in the first couple of weeks of business, um, and you know we all had kind of full time offers uh, that were lined up and. We made the decision to rescind those offers and, and launch full time into uh, into the startup world. Uh, we haven't looked back since. And the business side of it came about just as we were uh, being very loud within the consumer side of the business with uh, you know TTC subway campaigns, uh, radio ads, uh, social media ads, uh, search engine ads, uh, the whole nine yards. Um, we started just to have businesses contact us through our normal 1 uh, 800 line to you know ask if we could store their products. And they then started to ask us to do other value-added services, and it sort of developed from there. So uh, fast forward today, we have a very large um, enterprise side and uh, you know business-focused side of the business.
0: That's really smart. I like that. And I can also say from living downtown, um, people are lucky to have one closet. So it's <laughs> always good if you can have some extra storage space. You definitely need it. Totally. Awesome. And then so you co in the company then with your brother?
2: Yeah, my brother, uh, David, and uh, our co-founder, Heinrich.
0: Very cool. And what's the process like of starting a company with a family member? And how has it been managing your business together?
2: It's uh, it's different. It's definitely um, it's different. A lot of the uh, the norms uh, are thrown out the window for sure. Uh, I think you know, fellow uh, sibling or family founders will uh, (laughs) will will chuckle at that. Um, You know, you can have uh, nonverbal communication uh, as a very strong benefit. Uh, So Mm -hmm. we meeting and already know sort of what the other person's thinking. Uh, where we should take it, uh, you have the benefit of sort of knowing each other for your whole life that, uh, and that way it kind of carries forward positively. Um, you know, you can also say and have the most uh, passionate of, of arguments and discussions and say the nastiest things and eight minutes later be uh, on good terms again. So um, got a lot of benefits uh, from that perspective. I mean, I think you can certainly find that in a very close co-founder who obviously you're not related to. Um, we think that we have that in Heinrich for sure. Uh, so it's, it's a really good, uh, marriage between the three of us, but, um, yeah, definitely, uh, starting a business with family members. I mean, I think it's cautioned against quite a bit. I think just doing a family business in general, but for my brother and I, we've been super close for a long time. So it's been working extremely well.
0: love that.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting. And, uh, so th- there's three, three of you, three founders. And, and, um, so how has, how did you decide that all three of you were going to be founders in the company and going to start this company together? And, uh, how, how is that kind of like, been beneficial for the company having multiple people all invested into it with different skill sets.
2: It's a really good question, and there's actually a couple of insights I want to draw from that for for everyone listening. But um, you know, when we, so I was toying around with the idea in mid 2016. I had got some uh, you know initial wireframes drawn up um, and sort of came to the table with that initial kind of working website, um, but. You know, when you're going at a business, it's important to take stock of what you bring to the table and, and where you know you can probably shore up with partners. And um, I'm not technical. Heinrich is. Um, he's got a colorful background in terms of um, software development, and that was something that we lacked and we needed. So we kind of pulled our network to find uh, someone that would be a good fit. Um, had a number of meetings with Heinrich before we decided to kind of jump, you know, head first into the into the shallow end, um, and. That ended up sort of just working out really well. Um, Working with David, I mean, was uh, a non—I mean, a no-brainer. I mean, we are are super close and and pretty much do everything together. So, um, you know, David definitely plays a big role in the business. And early days was was super helpful. At the same time, so came together. I mean, early days, I think, provided that no one's taking a salary and everyone's just putting in sweat equity, I think that that is deserving of you know some elevated recognition. Um, You know, we're not ones for titles, but. I think being a founder or being a co-founder, um, you know, is definitely something that actually you should pay attention to. Um, and you kind of know when it's right, you know, when you've got critical mass and something's moving uh, versus when you don't, and you're actually like working together to get something off the ground. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the fine, fine line between being a very early employee and being a co-founder. Um,
0: very cool.
2: And then, uh, sorry, there was a second part to that question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh,
1: and kind of like, how, how does everybody having uh, different skill sets kind of is important in a founding team?
2: Yeah. So, uh, and like sort of how we delineated roles uh, and how that's kind of transitioned for us uh, to today. So, I mean, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just double clicking on that. I mean, we are able to execute, I think, faster um, without needing to um, drill into everything, uh, you know, individually. Uh, what I mean by that is because we all kind of grew up in the business from day zero to now. David understands sort of how I make decisions and what I'm looking for. Heinrich does the same so that they in their own divisions can make uh, speedy decisions without the need to slow things down with like group meetings Mm -hmm. to sync up. And that agility, I think, has helped us to grow really quickly. So whether it's, uh, you know, our warehouse app or driver's Mm -hmm. app or or order management systems, Heindrick can sort of plot that out without, you know, major product involvement um, or, you know, major involvement from operations. Uh, So they can get something to a, a really good spot To present without the need for um, a number of meetings in between. Now, obviously, our product's a lot more complex, and we we do those things as a best practice. um, But it lets you execute faster, particularly when you know that someone's got your back, and uh, and they're investing in the business equally as much as you. So um, that's been a really interesting insight. And if you can find someone that truly, truly kind of um, plugs into uh, a void that you have in your skill set, that's that's a really exceptional thing. I think that's where. When you're found in a business, you should spend some time to really get to know each other, um, you know, meet over coffee, do dinner, um, you know, really see if you drive with that person because you need to then eventually grow to trust that person to execute on your behalf.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. Those are really important features and a co-founder for sure. Mm-hmm. And so your business to me sounds like in the beginning, it might have been really complicated to scale. Can you talk to me about how you were able to find places to store people's stuff, how you uh, sorted out the drivers and all that stuff in the beginning?
2: Yeah. I mean, the short answer is that we just did it all ourselves. We um we don't have like a glamorous uh, start to the journey. I mean, we had a third party partner, is, is the fact uh, of the matter, for the first few weeks of our business that was meant to do all our storage and logistics, and the reality is that we just grew so quickly that they did not expect that in their, in their wildest of expectations and dropped the ball on us on April 28th, the day of my last undergraduate exam. So uh, they called me at 9.37 a.m. My exam was at 11. Our time window starts at 10. Uh, and they said, hey, Mark, we're at capacity. We're burnt out. We can't do any of your appointments today. And uh, like, that's that's a big problem. <laughs> so I, I wrote my exam in, in 15 minutes. Um Managed to get out of there uh, before the requisite amount of time passed. Uh, my sure. brother recorded U-Haul at the end of the month. Heindrick just got out of his exam at 11, um, hopped in that uh, in an Uber, got the U-Haul that was like far out in Scarborough, drove into Mississauga, picked up all our totes. We did deployments till 4 a.m. Um, one had slipped through the cracks. That was uh, located in uh, Waterloo, which was like an hour and a half away from Toronto. So we had to go do that one. Uh, we did that for the next three days and um, just executed... Ourselves just raw execution. Um, There was nothing kind of glamorous about it. It's definitely that like true grind startup experience that you know people probably uh, romanticize out of. Um, But it was uh, that was the nature of the beast. And when we decided to go full time and you know finished our seed round on May 31st, um, we were working out of my third bedroom where we would like field customer calls, whiteboard, develop, and we actually parked our Sprinter van outside which we would use to go pick up people's stuff and then bring to a storage facility that one of our investors had until we got our own facility. Um, so that was the the early days uh, and, and definitely have some fond memories thinking back to them.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a really great insight into the true grind of running a startup and the beginning days. So that's great.
1: Yeah, bootstrapping is always like the best way to do it. But uh, it, it seems that you, you guys got investment as well. So can you talk a little bit about kind of the process of talking to investors and getting a seed investment and what was that all like?
2: Yeah, I, I think we're, we're one of the luckiest groups in the world. I mean, we just managed to be in the right place at the right time. And so many things came together uh, when you think back that just came together by happenstance. I mean, we met Michael Hyatt, who's um, you know, a well-known uh, entrepreneur and investor in, in the Toronto community um, and probably in the, in the Canadian communities as a whole. Um, and we met him by virtue of us having a booth at the startup career fair for U of T's engineering group, um, YNCN. Uh, we got managed to get booth A1 because we had a connection to the head of business development. We got the booth for free. It was the first booth that you walk by when you go through that fair. Um, Michael Hyatt walks by, I knew of him through the creative Destruction lab and kind of waved him over and just, you know, he was intrigued by the fact that he could store his bike for nine bucks a month and get it back whenever he wanted, uh, (laughs) you know, we had a coffee a couple of days later and he really kind of took an affinity to the story and to the business and, uh, you know, asked what it would take for us to quit our jobs that we had lined up. Uh, Heinrich was supposed to be a product manager. I was supposed to be a management consultant. Dave was already working full time. And, uh, I told him I would take 250 K and he's like, you probably need 500. So we, uh, we put the round together within the day and, uh, papered it and, and the rest is history. And we, raise that, I think we were about six weeks old as a business, which um, had we not done that, we probably wouldn't, I mean, we probably would have taken our, our full-time jobs and, and left everything aside.
0: Wow. I love that. I love that the investor was so excited about your business because he wanted to use it personally.
2: Yeah. And, and he actually has. And I think that, you know, Michael and I have stayed super close. I mean, he's a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal entrepreneur. Um, he's a great mentor. Uh, he sits on our board. So he's been very helpful to the business. Um, you know, have uh, the utmost respect for him and uh, a lot of time. And it's been great building the business alongside him and, and having his assistance along the way.
0: That's great. And you mentioned you're part of Creative Destruction Lab. Can you talk about being part of CDL and how it helped your business and your team grow?
2: Yeah. So it's funny. So whenever I say that, everyone always thinks that the business was in the CDL. And actually, that's what Michael thought is initially as well, which is probably <laughs> piqued his interest Turns out, I was actually in it as a student. So I was an undergrad student Um, you know, as as you may or may not know, it's it's an MBA course Mm -hmm. for for MBA students. So I was lucky to be selected as someone to take part in that. Um, truthfully going into it, I just thought it was exceptional value because I got to take two MBA credits for the same price as my undergrad. Um (laughs) credits is basically the cost of my whole undergrad year. So I thought that was a steal. Um, but uh super uh pleasantly surprised by uh some of the contacts I made through it. Um it really kind of just reinforced I think the science behind a startup. And it's something that I've tried to carry forward is that, you know, when you tell someone that you're doing a startup, they just kind of take it as a, you know, a synonym to you being unemployed. And I think it's because the whole idea of a startup is that it's loosey-goosey. You're, you know, just having to go at something that's far-fetched. When in reality, I think startups that are, you know, well thought out and executed well, um, you know, are basically just, you're boiling down to a science. It's, um, this is our beachhead market. Here's our ideal customer profile. Here's how we're going to go tackle it. Um, you know, should we pivot? Should we not? Understanding a lot of the the nuance that can be codified, um, I, I think that is something that people overlook um, because it's, it's really romantic to have a startup, and I think a lot of people say that they do, um, and you know, have a go at it, and aren't really earnestly doing it justice and doing that that kind of that word justice themselves and I think that the the names got a little bit muddied over time, if, if I may say that, but um, yeah, for, for me, I've, you know, that whole program helped solidify the fact that it is a science and you can boil it down. It's not totally an art form.
0: That's really interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And uh, so throughout the, the process of, of building uh, and working on your company, what was kind of one of the most difficult challenges for you to overcome and how did you kind of get past that hump?
2: I think the biggest thing that a lot of entrepreneurs go through, and I think how well they cope with this thing is how well they can scale and continue to scale. It's that um, people are what drive the business. I think if you look at uh you know any outcome that's been successful, um, there's not one person that's a difference maker um, you know whether you think of Amazon or Shopify or any like major uh, company that's you know grown and and you know occupies the headlines these days. They are surrounded by titans in business, and it's not one person. Certainly, there's one person that gets the limelight and is on stage for the most part, but there are a, there's an army of extremely smart and brilliant people behind them that support that business. I think the sooner we can bring those people into the company, sustain them, and provide them with autonomy and purpose to do what they need to do, the faster you can grow the business because you're having other people think on your behalf and and execute, you know, that's not to say that you should turn a blind eye to everything that's happening that you shouldn't stay up to date with what they do, but it means that you need to relinquish the decision-making control for functional areas that uh, are time for you to get rid of. Um, Early days, I mean, we just were used to doing so much of our, you know, the business ourselves that we got into a habit of just continuing to do that. And we started to kick ourselves out of that, you know, a year into the business um, as we were growing and growing. And um, you know, it's now it's all about just finding the right people to put in the right roles. And uh, allowing them to do their to do their their magic.
0: That's great. And what was kind of the hardest thing for you to give up when you were hiring people um, to fill in certain roles? Which role did you struggle most with giving up?
2: You know, I was lucky because I mean, David David's taken on operations extremely well. Hunter's taken on our technology extremely well. So the other functions that I oversaw was marketing, finance, and sales. Um, still extremely involved in sales, marketing. I've pretty much relinquished that completely um, finance as well. So, you know, it's, I would say, you know, marketing dealt with our brand voice and that's something that was like really, you know, really close to me. Uh, so that was tough finance obviously dealt with, um, you know, the inflow and outflows, uh, of the business. So that's obviously the lifeblood of the company and, and that's obviously extremely important. So those two things, I think were probably the most difficult things, but we've got, um, two great leaders that are, uh, taking us on right now. That's awesome. Cool. And, and how do you kind of maintain
1: your company culture as you grow and hire more people?
2: that's fine. I literally just did a kind of fireside chat on this at TechTO. Um, and I was completely honest with, with, (laughs) with the audience. We actually don't have a codified cultural Bible right now. We are in, in fact building one so that, you know, for new recruits, uh, you know, they have like guiding principles and it's, you know, easy to ingest. It's part of the onboarding process and it sort of rounds out the whole, the whole thing. Um, but the best defense I think is you just to the extent you can be involved in who you're bringing into your business, because everyone's going to be culturally creative or subtractive to what you've built. And you should have comfort with who you're bringing into the, into the business. Um, So they're going to have impact one way or another. So for me, I've always at least had a quick chat or like a full blown interview with people that have been coming into the business in critical roles. Um, And, you know, those are going to be your cultural champions. And so I just ensure that they fit our values that were, you know, not necessarily codified on paper, but that most people knew about. And so long as you're doing that, I think that you're going to create a, a pretty good kind of shield around what, you, what you're what you building. But you need to be comfortable with the fact that it's going to evolve as you continue to add people to it. I mean, you don't want to add the same exact clone uh, time after time. You want to bring in a diverse set of opinions and, and people, and that changes your culture. But, you know, maybe change is not the right word. Maybe it helps your culture evolve positively.
0: That's great advice. Yeah,
1: amazing. Thank you. And for my final question, can you tell me something about yourself that's not on your LinkedIn page?
2: Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I've knocked off a bunch of my like internships and stuff. I mean, I'm 24 now. I started the business when I was 21, like right out of university. So I don't really have like a, a colorful CV. And frankly, I think the most enriching thing that I've done is is the business that we're, <laughs> we're running right now. You're learning something every day. Um, I've done like audit in, uh, internships, investment banking internships, and management consulting internships. Um, So that's, uh, that's my past, uh, my past life. Um, I've got a black belt in karate. So that's like one other thing. Uh, I have a few gold medals uh, competing provincially. Um, So those are things that aren't on my LinkedIn, but uh, that are, you know, small little accomplishments i guess that i've had back in the day
0: yeah good yeah that's, cool. yeah, that's awesome thanks all righty well thank you so so much for speaking with us today it was really great to get to learn everything about second closet and how you and your team built it so thank you so much yeah
2: guys thanks so much for having me appreciate it thank you take care Cheers.
0: thank you for tuning in to floater founder every week. we look forward to bringing you more content from more amazing people in our city
1: until next time